let the hogs out. This is Hog Planet. Welcome to Hog Planet, the podcast where we wag, not wag, we don't wag them. We weigh, tag, and grade the hogs of politics, of pop culture, of American life. And we try to ask the hard questions. I would say uh, my host uh, and I, uh, my co-host being Sam Lewis. Uh, Hey, Sam Lewis, remember to change your uh, display name. Um, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, my 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 fun and real last name, which starts with an L. Yeah, uh, we're about to we're about to walk some hogs right now. I think it's about what we do on the show every day, every so often when we feel like doing these streams. Yeah, so we're on video too at YouTube. So if you're listening, you can also watch the show. But please feel free to do uh, to do a little bit of both and uh, tell your friends. Uh, you know, we're 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 fun guys. Look at us. We're fun. Um, so, you know, let, let's start with this. Let's, uh, you, you had a, a comment about, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, I think it was. Yes. The, the, it's an observation. Um, my wife is a fan of the show. I can get into it. Um, and she was just watching it. I think it's the most recent season. And, uh, Dan, are you familiar with the Snatch Game? No, I'm not. RuPaul's Drag Race? Explain. I haven't really, I haven't, I've only seen a couple episodes of the, of the program, but it's, it's, it's good. I like it. It is a uh, it is a, a a game where they do a parody of um, Match Game, which is a you know t- game show from like the '60s through the '90s, whatever. Um, but they uh, one of the contestants of it in it was dressed as Harriet Tubman in drag, and oh! I was a little I was a little I was a little taken aback by it. I do you mind watch. like describing what that looks like? Because I can't I don't even know what that with that so so maybe maybe not i i i that's this is google you know what you like google picture I, yeah I, it, but that's pretty bad to do a drag show that's not it's not a great character i thought it was a little odd i couldn't help but think of the clip where ayanla um on ayanla fix my life talks down to a female rapper who uh doesn't understand the meaning of harriet tubman and it's all i could think of but um yeah, it, there was it was odd to me, and of course, uh, Jonathan Van Ness is one of the uh, is one of the guests, uh, a, a fun and, and rather foul personality. I'm sure Dan has thoughts on. They uh, they are not binary. Uh, Good point. To, the, to hey. the best of my knowledge, they are super annoying. They endorse Elizabeth Warren, and uh, they have great hair. That's all I have True. to say about them. Um, there is no new mayor in New York City yet, but it's gonna be fucking Eric Adams, so we're fucked. It's it's <laughs> over. Fuck. It, it, it's Eric Adams. Well, Dan, what are you gonna do to celebrate the cop? I mean- Literally, the, after everything from last year, they like my city elected the cop. Oh my god, he's putting up the fucking Zoom backgrounds from same one from last week where he was licking his fucking throat, licking Eric Adams. He's not licking him, but he's he's pl- placing his Sam is placing his own head above Eric Adams's, and I'm quite frankly disgusted, disgusted at this. I'm trying to get inside my arm around him, but the the uh, Zoom Corporation's virtual background software is not up to it. I gotta find. Listen, to this Eric ain't Adams a professional photos. green screen. This is a podcast that we're doing on Zoom. Um, Sam, uh, did you know that Vin Diesel's real name is Mark Sinclair? 
I did and not I, know until I saw that post. And and I credit that to Jeremy Kaplowitz, a uh, great comedian, uh, funny guy, knew him in college. Um, uh, he he revealed that. And then I had to look it up. And lo and behold, it's the truth. And uh, I'm not going to drop it in here, but everyone should look up that Kelly Clarkson show clip where they played Vin Diesel's uh, song. Actually, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to share a screen that yeah, uh, put Sam, it can, you vamp, can you vamp for a second? Yeah, I'll vamp instead of uh, selecting newer and more disturbing pictures of Eric Adams to put up as the vir virtual background. But um, but yeah, I, I it kind of came to my awareness that some people from work have followed me on Twitter recently. This is not a good Eric Adams photo. He's kind of cut off by the top. He's going to doing a Rudy Giul an Andrew Giuliani video thing going on right here. The framing is all off, but it, it'll work for now. Um, my only message to any coworkers who may be listening to this is, I swear to you, if you ever tell my boss about any damn thing I say on this show, then it's not going to be pretty. Please, for the love of God, abstain. Okay, so my, right. my, my screen is shared. I had to literally go to a Facebook video to find this uh, clip here. So let's just play this and uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk over it. A special message from our This is Kelly Clarkson's Weasel, show. Who actually has a new single dropping today. Check this Sam, out. Sam, you can hear this, right? Kelly. Absolutely. I am so honored. To be able to so we have a remote Vin Diesel on your show. Clearly in his home studio, a nicer studio than what we're using. Since you first, he's got the designer glasses on too. He's looking good. Tell today, nice bomber jacket. Your authenticity. Authenticity is what I think of when I think of Vin Diesel, aka Mark Sinclair. As you know, <laughs> what the fuck is he talking possible. about? I've had another creative outlet. He's had another creative I'm outlet. I mean, you know, we you like I learned painting. Vin, Vin started singing. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? I myself am into gardening. To that end, uh, one of the people that first believed. So this is 181,000 so, views on uh, Facebook. Is that good, Sam? I'm off Facebook. I, I have no idea what the numbers are trying to hit on there is. I, I can't even. I'm the biggest boomer on Facebook. I almost. Oh, I just realized. So we can, remember to only play oh like God, we can only play 30 seconds of this, or else we get pulled off YouTube. <laughs> Thank you so much to all my guests. Sorry to the gods of YouTube for Carter, showing a little bit. Okay, I got the time up. Brenda Gant and Terrell. Now, without further ado, here's a sneak peek song. of Ben's collaboration with Kai. Oh, shit. Yes. Ooh. So now we have this disturbing, like, Zoom audience trying to, like, dance to this, this inscrutable Vin Diesel song. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a sea of gigantic iPhones standing in the rafters at the Kelly Clarkson show. Okay, that's that's all we're going to do on that. Uh, that. That song was, I mean, it was 75% auto-tune and I think 25% 808, which should be a winning combination. But I think when you just imagine Vin Diesel in the studio, which we just saw the image of him with the preposterous sunglasses on, looking zooted out of his mind in there, I don't know. How did you feel about Dan? What was your take on that uh, on that track? What are the musical merits? There's a lot of musical projects by celebrities. Um, the Yeah But Still podcast has done a good job covering those. So I learned from there about like Dennis Quaid's band, Billy Bob Thornton's band, Robert Downey Jr. apparently has a band. Um, Can't forget and, Jeremy Renner. And, and, Jeremy and Renner Joe, had one of the best our, music careers. Jeremy of all Renner, time. of course. And our friend Joe Bags actually sent me a video the other day, and it's Joe Pesci's band, which I should link to in the show notes. Uh, he has a band. It has under 200 followers on YouTube. Well, we got to up those numbers. <laughs> the Hog Planet audience needs to help Pesci here. Um, so, Sam. You can't uh, be doing Hog Planet numbers on there. 
Sam, I've been I've been thinking a bit about Regis Philbin. Do you have a take on Regis? I just he's a guy on TV. I've literally I have absolutely no opinion about Regis. Regis Sam, you got no opinion on me? Come on, I'm a famous New Yorker. Me and Roy just, Cohn. Yeah, I'm aware of who you are, but I just I could not care less. I just can't. I, so you're, you're gonna take this the day billion age. dollars. <laughs> something about this day and age. Everybody's got to have a take. Oh, the Fred Sam. I love having opinions. That's why I have I'm on here, but I can't have an opinion on everything. Come on, man. So you don't want to be a millionaire. Mm, well, I don't know about that. I guess I'll all right. I guess I'll get to know Regis Philbin for the chance of winning one million dollars on a preposterous game show. But uh I once heard an interview with Regis Philbin where he said he watched Seinfeld on Fox at eleven PM every night. And uh I just wanted to comment that Seinfeld is now off streaming. It's off Hulu and it won't be arriving on Netflix until God knows when. So Thank God that I bought those DVDs, uh, not bought. I, I was gifted those DVDs for like 10 straight years. Uh, and I'm then, pretty sure uh, I could just like rewind parts of my brain and Seinfeld would like play through my eyes or something. I mean, it's just funny, though. Don't you think this physical media, you know, and 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 the fact that streaming is is very unstable in terms of like, I mean, they edit they edited all the music out of Scrubs because they couldn't get the rights to it. Did you hear that one? Yeah, and, and of course, they messed up the aspect ratio on The Simpsons when they put it on uh, Disney Plus, which which took months to correct or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a little uh, modicum of how everything on the Internet is kind of transitory. It's either there forever or it's gone and you can never find it ever again and you'll you'll forget what it was. I just earlier today was trying to remember the name of the band that I had checked out on Spotify but you know, I listened to a couple times, and I was like, "Man, I should listen to that again." I had absolutely no memory of what it was called. What the? <laughs> it was so embarrassing. I couldn't even think of like a single song title. Shameful. It's just, it just things slip out of your mind so easily on the internet. It's just the thing we all have to get used. You to know what I wish would slip out of my mind? The woman I saw in Prospect Park in a Beto 2020 shirt. Oh please! I see at least one friend of the pod every time I go to the dog park. So just for, you know, for those who aren't aware, I live in New York City in Brooklyn uh, in Flatbush and Sam lives in Washington, D.C. So it's it's uh, perhaps Sam is more acquainted with these sort of like political shirts being very common. Yeah, at least like 30 percent of my neighborhood owns some RBG gear or other. I, I keep seeing like RBG socks. The worst I hate to say this, but I like the worst is seeing a man wearing. <laughs> like I'm not saying it should I'm not saying it should cross, but there's like such a creepy male feminist vibe I get. I feel like the amount of um, men wearing RBG sh merch on like the look. If you're a man of a certain age who's like a huge RBG fan, I find I find you a little strange. That's that's yeah. all I say. Like I don't, I'm not judging you, but like it's like being really into Funko Pops. It's like it's not exactly like cool, you know. No, 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 not at all. There's actually an apartment building in my neighborhood named the Ginsburg, and it's like in memoriam of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> oh, not like, Allen Ginsburg, member of NAMBLA? No, sadly, one of uh, Patterson, New Jersey's finest residents. But uh, I just I saw actually the uh, Bob Dylan movie, I'm Not There, you know, where like six different people play Bob Dylan and uh, David Cross plays Allen Ginsburg and they look exactly alike. I mean... I could see that there's a there's a certain kind. I'm not saying all Jews look alike, but there are certain Jews who look very much. Alike Cross is not Jews. Jewish. Cross is definitely not Jewish. He's from Georgia, mm -hmm. a very Christian uh, family, apparently. 
Well, why was he always he's always uh, telling some problematic jokes about Jews in the uh, Mr. Show I mean, he show. Tells, he tells jokes about everyone. You know? Okay, it's, okay. It's I just assumed he was Jewish. I don't know. Well, yeah, no, I, I assume not. a lot of people um, are Jewish, part of being yeah. in the New York area. No, absolutely. Um, and next up, can we get me to 420 Twitter followers? Would it kill you people to follow me who already don't at Spaventacular at S-P-A-V-E-N-T-A-C-U-L-A-R? How long is it going to take to get me to 420, Sam? I believe I'm at 410 right now. I think we're gonna. Um, I think we're gonna start a calendar. I mean, on this date, we could start. Let's let's check in week to week and see if you're at 420 yet. And we'll have like a we could have like a little calendar that says like it's been this many days since Dan has put out the request to get to 420 followers. As if I've uh, been in uh, prison, like um, you know Tim Robbins in uh, you know that favorite film of everyone's the Shawshank Redemption. Um, yeah, Dan, Dan's being actually shadow banned by not having 420 followers. If you think about it, have you, I, have you thought about tweeting at Glenn Greenwald? I think you might, I think Glenn might take up my case and Matt Taibbi might write an article about me called meet the canceled or what is it? Meet, meet the, is meet the censored, <laughs> meet the censored. All right. So all right, that Sam, no one yet time. has been it, it, censored. It's on time. That. It's oh, time. You're getting right, pissed so off me Ru- about the Rudy zoom backgrounds and I got this dude lo- looning up on my screen. Are you kidding me? All right, so Rudy Giuliani, Sam, what happened? He lost his law license for basically misleading the public about uh, the 2020 election. Filing like a, I've been waiting for this to happen. Not that I'm like any kind of like huge aficionado of big legal news, but Jesus Christ, like the dude was practically like tossing his law license in the fucking ocean. It was, I couldn't believe that he's still like had it after all those frivolous lawsuits during the like post-election season. I, it was just unreal. But um, I mean, when, when times get tough like this, there's only one person that you can defend on, depend on to defend you. And uh, that's your big wet son. Hi, my fellow Americans. Today it's my fellow Americans, not just my fellow New Yorkers. He is and running for governor of New York on, uh, as a Republican. A few, few minutes ago, my Andrew Giuliani license was suspended by the New York State First Appellate Division of the Supreme He's Court. He's like a mutated now, Joe five Kennedy. judges that ruled on it, Judge Rolando can't stop Costa, looking at the cue Judge card Diane because it's... Renwick, Judge He's Dallin, like, now, and now He's in like a random courts, parking lot. Daniel, Where sorry, is he? Judge Judith... He's in a parking lot in like Judge, Garden City, New York. You can barely pronounce these people's names. All five of them are Democrats, three of which were appointed by Andrew Cuomo. Five to nothing. Ultimately. Noted socialist Democrats Andrew Cuomo. With zero Republicans on there. Again, zero Republicans deciding the fate of Rudolph. To York, stupid. All of this has become. I am infuriated by all of this. And I'm infuriated American too. That believes in an independent justice system. He's so mad his eyebrows fell off. President Trump's closest. There are no That's eyebrows. Exactly what this is. And any American that doesn't believe that they are just biased. I have and to let this play out till the end. It's only like 17 more seconds. I, I stand by my father. He did everything ultimately by the book. And the fact that there would be <laughs> yeah. this politicization in our Justice Department is disgusting. It is a cancer that needs to be cut out and it needs to be cut out right right now. We got this. Yeah, he did everything by the book and the book was like Clinton cash. (laughs) Exactly, like like by uh, Steve Bannon, I believe, right? No, he did the movie Clinton Cash. I don't know if he wrote the book. Um, So what do we we think of of Andrew Giuliani's defense of his father? Was there legitimacy to the claim that he's, he's being he's, railroaded by the Cuomo, uh, you know, by the Cuomo lovers and governments. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it, I, I guess if you want to say that the Democratic machine in New York is corrupt, I, that's fine. But Rudy Giuliani is hardly the most sympathetic victim of this. And I don't think he's being railroaded whatsoever. I think he was asking for this. I mean, there's no way you can just be out there embarrassing himself the way he was with his hair dye dripping down the side of his head at court appearances with that like drunk lady in Michigan. I mean, he was calling like expert witnesses who could barely even like, you know, walk in a straight line. Oh, remember when he literally farted in the courtroom? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He really couldn't even control himself on that level. I mean, you know, there's a, okay. If you're a government, um, if you've had like these high kind of governmental positions, once you get out of there, you can kind of just, cash out and become a partner at some awful law firm and get a government relations gig for the rest of your life and work very, work very little for, especially for a lawyer and make a ton of money. Um, And instead of doing that, Rudy Giuliani has chosen instead to try to continue to be America's mayor. And there's something going on with that. There's like, it's similar to like, um, I, I believe on street fight radio, they were talking about how shock jocks couldn't, ref- could they have to, constantly be in be loved and in the public eye and be famous it's not enough for them Absolutely. to just be rich and successful everyone has to continue to love them and continue to think they're relevant even if they've been on the air for air for like decades and i think rudy maybe has a similar thing where i'm like buddy you should just lay low and cash out and you know get ready for senility but instead he's like no i i should be on tv i should be i heard trump this. didn't pay I heard Trump didn't pay him shit either. And as much as he goes on TV, that doesn't like get make you money. You don't get paid for going on Fox News. You know, you, he just get, he just further ruins his reputation, which honestly is, uh, is quite a sight. No, absolutely. But um, with Rudy, I, I mean, I had, you had to know that Trump was not paying him because Trump doesn't pay anyone. So no, of course whenever not. someone announces chump. that they're working. Yeah, whenever someone announces that they're working for Trump, I'm like, this is the only person that he could find who would do it for free. And then it came out. Did you see how, like, apparently there's a, a new book out saying that uh, Rudy was getting absolutely abused by Trump behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, Trump I did calling see that. him all kinds of names and shit like that. <laughs> He's that, like, this I guy's mean, basically Trump was saying, like, this guy really sucks, doesn't he? Like the entire time. <laughs> it is like it's an illness, honestly. It's the same illness. <laughs> It's a similar illness to what like led Tom Girardi to do do what he did and uh, show the fact that he was doing massive fraud and embezzlement on um, on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But there's some addiction to fame that is like a dark heart of the American mindset that honestly, even money can't cure it. It's not I, I think that there's a lot of people for whom you don't go on TV to make money. You go on TV because you want to be on TV. I don't know. It's a weird thing. And I think if Trump wasn't president, he would still be that guy, too. You know, like the 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 addict of of television appearances. But I I actually want to move to a story time. Uh, Can I uh, can I tell a little yarn? It's a short one. Absolutely. I mean, this is a this is one of our most popular things back when we used to do the show uh, in in its previous form. So lay one. So, okay, I'm crossing an intersection in Brooklyn near my house, near my apartment. And um this Penske truck is laying on the horn so loud. It was like my ears were bleeding. It was so loud. So I did the classic New Yorker move of, and I'm going to lean back from the mic. Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! <laughs> and uh, they stopped. And then uh, he proceeded to drive uh, past me and lay on the horn as he drove past me. 
and I gave him the finger and I can swear I read his lips say the uh, F slur for gay people because my nails are painted black. Oh, um, no. So that's my New York is back story, baby. Man, during Pride Month and everything. Damn. I know. What a fucking asshole, dude. And also, like, <laughs> they should just re- lower the volume of those horns. It's so, it's so loud. I, I've tried to pull the shut the fuck up uh, move down here in D.C. And it's literally not, like they don't respond to it well. No, it's the I'm walking here. Like, guess what? That taxi doesn't care. Yeah. Um, I also have another story. So. This one's a this one I think is a little a little deeper, a little more interesting, and maybe we could pull a little more out of it than the Penske truck battle. But I did want to get that on the, the show. The last thing I have on the Penske guy is that he definitely is Penske material. That's absolutely true. He's Penske material. Um, so I was sitting at Coney Island, right, waiting for my friends to uh, arrive. We were going to the aquarium, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. And I met this uh, random veteran. He like parked his like very interesting looking bike at me and had like a Buccaneers flag, a velvet bike, a lot of beads hanging from it. Like clearly he had designed it all and he, he said he did it all himself. And he was just like, yo, bro, I'm just sitting here. Like, don't, don't, don't worry about it. I'm just sitting here. Like, like, he, like he thought I was like afraid of him, but I was like, no, it's fine. You can sit here. And um, we started talking and just very quickly, he started revealing very personal things. He said he was next door during the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, okay. And I have no reason to believe that's not true from asking questions about it. I um, do get the sense when people say things like that. I can't help getting a vibe that's like, did you, did you, do you want to tell me something else that another way in which you were involved with it? Are you trying to confess something to me? Well, I don't, I wouldn't say that that's the case here. Um, so he said that the government doesn't give a shit about veterans and that his benefits are basically like they let him choose a house, like an apartment to live in. And that's all he gets which is very depressing to hear, especially like, you know, you know, Bernie Sanders ran Veterans Affairs, and if, if he couldn't do it, then who can fucking do it? You know, who, who can help these guys? There's a lot of inefficiency in Veterans Affairs. It's brutal. Uh, we talked about a lot of things. Uh, let's see one from my list here. Uh, he doesn't give a shit about, uh, you know, weed. He doesn't smoke it because the only time he uh, uh, he smoked pot, he ran into the street in his underwear. OK, I guess if okay. I, that happened to me, I might not do it again. I've you, never there is had a certain that. subset of people who can't handle weed. No, and that's fine. And that's absolutely, one. absolutely. We've all met. I we've all met. One, our I had one. Share. I had one kid on my floor freshman year get high, and then like he started running up and down the hallways, panicking, saying that he was going to run into the middle of the field and call an ambulance on himself. And uh, a number of people had to calm him down. So Jesus, that's one yeah. thing that I witnessed in terms of. I want to be some, sedated. Uh, um, <laughs> so. You know, we talked about a lot of stuff like we started talking about like sex and he and he said he could tell I was a Jew. And again, I'm reading I'm reading straight from my notes app, like scribbles from like right after I walked away from him and I was extremely stoned. Um, he said he could tell I was a Jew, but I'm, I'm half Italian. So I was like, dude, you could you had no Italian radar. Like, come on, man. You you have very little Italian radar. I'm sorry. Oh, man. come like, on. I, just don't come off as that. Don't Italian to me. give me that. I have the Tony Soprano body. <laughs> I think you need to play it up is what I'm trying to say. Just, you know, dig deep into those. Are uh, you talking to me? Roots. No, wait, that's that's like Raging Bull, right? Uh, that's, You'll that's get the, there. Right? That's not the Practice off um, camera. Yeah, I will. Um, so, God, we talk about, uh, and he, again, he had a ponytail, but it was like buzzed on the side. So it was only like the top. Powerful. Which, was, which that's a powerful look. And, uh, you know, we were just two boys on a bench in Coney Island. He uh, He said he buzzed his hair himself. 
we talked about Andrew Cuomo and Scott Stringer, and he said, they're just like Weinstein. And he said, don't be offended, even though you're a Jew. And I was like, <laughs> no, no, of course. Weinstein's a dirtbag, you know? Well, was not Jewish. <laughs> okay. Well, but Weinstein's Jewish. That's why. I, I know, but I was like, it's not because they're all Jews, because they're all perverts. Well, no, because he compared them all to Weinstein. He proceeded bring, bring up Weinstein by saying, I hope you're not offended as a Jew. And then we Please just talked about Israel and he and he's pro-Palestine. Uh, I, I, I believe uh, he does not like Netanyahu. Um, he hates Tom Brady, but thinks he was good for the, the Bucks. And uh, he wouldn't tell me what war he fought in. That was too traumatizing. Uh, okay. Age for age 45, he said, and he was drinking out of random bottles of liquor the whole time. A lot of smearing off uh, while I smoked the pen. He has a job, but he's taking Sunday off to chill shirtless and kind of chiseled. Scary at first when he parked his bike, but he's a good man. And that's I mean, all that's all on uh, vet, vet, veteran uh, Frank there. That, that's some, that's the kind of guy you get in New York that uh, I, I'm not sure if you appreciate at Coney it, Island, to be specific. You don't get that kind of guy uh, outside. Of, I, I It's something that I had to come to terms with when I moved out of the tri-state area. Dan, you've you've been to you know, you've lived in like upstate New York, but you've never been like out of the tri-state area. Even then, I was surrounded by people from the tri-state area. So it was it was, you know, it, it wasn't like a huge it was a culture shock, but not a gigantic one. I mean, I didn't I, you know, you you went to school in New Orleans. I went to school in Binghamton. You know, we grew up in New Jersey. That's not it's not I would say you you saw more uh, different culture. And I think I just realized I. myself how 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 kind of I don't think I'm that Jersey, but you take me out of the out of there and I start to realize that there's plenty of it still in here. So I don't know the contrast with Louisiana, which I thought was just like Mars when I moved down there. But then moving back up to, you know, the D.C. area, I figured, all right, back on the northeast, everybody's basically the same as in New York. And it's not like that at all either. I mean, the Virginia suburbs, people have a odd energy out there. There's a lot of different kinds of people, but uh, you know, there's everyone from like the people who've been there for like 400 years to you know the most recent immigrants. But there are also once you move up, once I moved into the city, I imagine it'd still be like city people, and they are they have a distinctive city nature. But uh, either way, they don't have the same kind of fuck you or extra attitude that New Yorkers have. In New York, you are number one in that regard. I'll give you that. New York number one, baby, number one city. <laughs> Um, all right, let's let's do the let's do the UFO segment. So we were actually asked on Instagram by our friend Chris, uh, what's the official hog planet stance on UFOs, Sam? And, and I'm gonna share my screen here so we can uh take a look at the 60 minutes interview. Uh and and uh and now I have are you seeing that, Sam? I'm seeing it. So what would you describe our, our stance on UFOs at this point? Uh well, let me speak for the both of us for sure. Um the I think the UFOs are real. Of course they fucking are. Of course they're aliens. Like statistically, there's gotta be some statistically there's like, it's a big universe out there and somebody's stopping by it's happened before. I guarantee it. I want to believe, but I also, I think just logically it kind of makes sense. Now, are the UFOs the way necessarily that like the, you know, the department of defense is describing them that I'm not so sure about that because that, and you know, that's what this that's what this will go into. It is a 60 minutes interview with Navy pilots. Exactly. I don't I don't know how I feel about the uh, armed forces take on the UFOs because but they're the ones seeing them. And I heard from uh, another uh, source that they see them all the time in the Navy. Yeah, I'm sure they do. But these I are just the ones want... that have been published in The New York Times because someone leaked them. 
I don't want the Navy or any other facet of the U.S. Armed Forces to try to be the one. Unfortunately, of course, like logically, they are going to be the ones who make contact with aliens first. But the U.S. Army is a big ass hammer and everything looks like a nail to them. And with look, if UFOs come out here, how like is that? That's got to be humbling for you. Sam, Sam, save it for the clips. Save it for the clips. Let's play some clips. All right. I know because we could keep going on this because the Department of Defense is a uh, not so good. They they want that smoke. I don't think they want that alien smoke. And if they trigger, you know, Galaxy War One or whatever, I'm not going to be happy with our government. I will. All right. So I'm just going to play a few clips and we'll just we'll talk about them. The story will continue in a moment. So what you're telling me. Oh, is that this man is horrifying looking (laughs) unidentified. He's got like a chin. Objects. What would you call it? Like a real. Is that a goatee? But it doesn't have the mustache. Already. The government it's has like already a, a gigantic soul patch. I'm not telling you that. The, the government has government stated, he's saying the government has stated for the record that UFOs Luis are real. Elizondo spent 20 years yeah, Luis looked better when he was younger. Intelligence operations worldwide. He's got a full goatee at least then. The Middle East and Guantanamo. He hadn't given UFOs a second thought until 2008. That's when he was asked to join something at the Pentagon. He lost his Thanks, job. Obama. Thanks, Obama. Into this crisis. Or ATIP. The mission of ATIP was quite simple. It was to collect and analyze information involving anomalous uh, aerial vehicles. Uh, what I guess in the vernacular you, you call them UFOs. We call them UAPs. You know. All right, Sam. First reactions. What do you think of this guy? Do you uh, trust him? I do like he at, that he asked us not to dead name UAPs. Uh, do I trust him? he looks a little fresh you know what i mean he looks like like he's been flustered though he looks a little he looks like he has been but i don't know in this interview i'm not saying that people show up to interviews like he's a little dolled up for me like he looks a little too good he he, he looks like a man who's normally on crew it's 60 minutes what do you think this is okay but like he's like i don't know I, there's something about this guy that's giving me a weird vibe. I'm not sure if I trust him. It seems like he wants to be on TV. Most of this is informed by his bizarre like goatee that, as I said, is like a gray soul patch that looks like it has grown and is like colonizing like the lower half of his, I don't know, chin there. All right, I'm going to move ahead a couple minutes. Let's, let's see where, where we're at here. Penis. In some cases, there are... Did it sound like you said penis? <laughs> I heard okay, that too. sorry. Trying to maintain a level of professionalism here. But there are some that that are not. We're not just simply jumping to a conclusion that's saying, oh, that's a UAP out there. We're going through our due diligence. Is it some sort of new type of cruise missile technology that China has developed? Is it some sort of... Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Sam, Sam, any, anything, anything to say here? I fucking told us so. I mean, like, this is... If the U.S. Army was going to tell us UFOs exist then it would be a, either a huge, it's either one thing or the other, right? It's like a huge admission on, it could be that it's just a massive admission. Like there are aliens out there. They have technology we can't comprehend. We have no idea where they came from. No idea how they got here. Can't describe how their jet propulsion systems work. Any of that shit. That's one option. The other option is that they're saying, we need to figure out how to do this so we can stop them. They've only got one little thing up on us. And that's what they think about Russia and China. They're just like, you know, Russia, they're a little too good at physics. And if we could, they're just, 
one step ahead of us. China, they're just so good at math. If, they, if we were just one, if we were just a little better at math, then we would be able to catch up to them. And then they wouldn't be just one step ahead. So like, that's where it's either like this infinite alien power that has everything, or it's just, we need a little bit more money so we can beat the Chinese. Um, despite the fact that the Chinese spend like a fraction on, on their military that we do on ours. Let's hear more from the famous program, 60 Minutes on the Navy pilots encounters with UFOs team captured on a targeting camera by members of Graves Squadron. So we're looking at the uh, Tic Tac video, I believe they call it, right? Yes, I'm I'm not clear on this. Are those clouds like flowing at the bottom? This is the video where there's just that dark shape in the crosshairs kind of like rotating. I, I'm not clear on how this video was shot. I, I, are you, Dan? Uh, it's like Navy cameras on there, you know, like, like the ones that the, I believe are just ones that are like planted on the planes or on the ground or something. I don't think it was like someone took the video. I, I really don't. Honestly, I mean, it have looks no like fucking idea. shit. I, I don't know what to say. I, I've taken better videos on my iPhone. So. You can sort of hear the surprise in their voices. You certainly can. They seem to have broke character a bit. Uh, and we're just kind of amazed at what they were seeing. What do you think when you see something like this? This is a difficult one to explain. You have rotation, you have high altitudes, you have propulsion, right? I mean, look, that looks like a UFO. It's it's a UFO. Frankly. Sure. Like that's what it is. That's what it is. It looks like something hovering, yeah. It, it just looks like a fucking bean. I don't know. An adversary spy vehicle. Okay, an adversary give me, give me the... spy vehicle. <laughs> Again, it's like, listen, we need a little more funding so we can figure out what the fuck this is. It's not like... You know, if the U.S. Army came to us and was like, look, aliens exist. We need to, like, radically change the way we relate to one another and the way we treat life because we are a destructive species because we're about to be humbled. It will be one thing. But that's not what they're doing here. What they're doing here is like, look, we need a little bit more funding so we can figure out what the hell Russia's doing. It's always the Russians' fault. Dude, do you, do you see that thing down there? And we saw this little white... Tic Tac looking object, and it's just kind of moving above the Whitewater area. As Dietrich circled above, Fravor went in for a closer. We now have like a man and a woman, uh, Navy pilots describing their experience. He goes and just turns abruptly and starts mirroring me. So as I'm coming down, it starts coming up. Sam, do you trust these people? I mean, I mean, you know, like the Navy pilots, they're not necessarily like deep state officials. With no yes, no wing. But this guy looks like he's about to crack up laughing. I, I don't know what it is. The, the the white guy talking about seeing the tic tac thing. I don't know. It seemed like he was like about to crack up. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into this because I'm skeptical of the U.S. government. I'm like this is like the last way I want to find out about aliens. If I'm going to be honest. Yeah, through like the very mainstream, mainstreamest of mainstream programs. Sixty Minutes. Yeah, like the news the magazine. Government. This is like a public-private partnership I do not support. That's one thing we know. We know that. I could say that with a very high degree of confidence, in part because of the positions I held in the department, and I know the process. Mellon says he grew concerned nothing was being done about UAPs, so he decided Apparently to Harry Reid was big in into them as well. As a private citizen, Arizona Energy. Or is he Nevada? I can't remember. Nevada. Yeah, yeah. had declassified and leaked them to the New York Times. It's yeah, this was the guy who leaked them to the Times. It wasn't like they just like randomly released this stuff during like the um you know, 
through some act of like a, a, a generous uh, disclosure for the good of the people or something. It was this guy leaked it. No, definitely. And I, while I do think that like, uh, why I'm obviously skeptical of the defense department's claims about UFOs or UAPs as they want to call them now. Um, I still can't rule out the possibility that because if, even if they really thought these were aliens and they weren't just trying to get more funding for, you know, war on China or to drum up some nonsense like that, then, I mean, this is how they would approach it if they did actually see aliens. So I don't know. It's hard to tell. All right, let's do one more towards the end. Sort of dismissing this. Rubio! Oh. It's Marco. Okay, okay, hold on. I feel like we have to go through the Rubio segment. Oh, that was such a shock to see those like glassy Once eyes answered. staring out at the screen. Anything from that the enters an no warning. Marco Rubio's on screen. After receiving classified briefings on UAPs, Senator Marco Rubio called for a detailed Hideous. analysis. Hideous. This past December, while he was still Rubio, Rubio's body type is the worst kind of fit and fat. Of national intelligence and the Pentagon to present Congress it's not funky, an unclassified folks. report by next month. This is a bizarre issue. The Pentagon and other branches of the military. But I mean, is Rubio an ally if he wants disclosure? Like to me, I feel like he just wants to warmonger. I think that this time's going to be different. I mean, we're going to find out when we get that report. You know, there's a stigma on Capitol Hill. I mean, some of my colleagues are very interested in this topic and some kind of, you know, giggle when you when you bring it up. But I, I, I don't Rubio's here to blame this on Venezuela and China. Allow the stigma to keep us from having an answer to a very fundamental question. What do you want us to do about this? I want us to take it seriously and have a process to take it seriously. I want us to have a process to analyze the data every time it comes in, that there be a place where this is cataloged and constantly analyzed. Man, he does not Until look good sitting down. <laughs> Maybe it has a very simple answer. Um, he, he is sitting with the body language of someone taking a really bad shit. All right, that's it. So they, they squeezed in Rubio at the end. It was probably like three hours of his day. All right, uh, enough of the screen share. So the hot planet take on UFOs is that it's not the Russians. I, I think that's our take. Yeah. And we're going to have another... experts in this field uh, on the show at some point, so. I also, I um, this is another one of those things where I'm like, if you think that uh, Russia has this technology, a country that's, you know, has like a third of the population in the United States and spends like a fraction of what we spend on our military, that they're the ones who invented this technology. It's sort of like the Cuban sound wave cannon that they believe exists. I'm like, if you think Cuba on a, on the shoestring budget that that country has is able to create something that your entire like military industrial complex that gets like 600, 700 billion dollars a year cannot create, which they oh, were not near the fireworks. Fireworks is starting almost 4th of July. Right. Then I don't know. It, it's like, what, what hope do we have? And maybe either way, more, more funding is not going to solve the perceived problem. Absolutely not. But UFOs are real. Aliens are real. For sure, definitely, like, definitely. like, no, no chance they're not. Um, uh, who else? John Podesta was also really into UFOs. Weird, right? Yeah, my issue with aliens is I seem like a skeptic all the time because I don't trust the people who are the ones ringing the bell about the aliens, as opposed to like, of course, in theory, yeah, aliens definitely exist. And we don't know if they're little green guys or the guys like like my paintings at Dee Spaventa on Instagram. Uh, you know, I like to paint alien guys. I've painted at least three of them at this point. Some of them, I guess you can consider aliens. And Sam, you were nice enough to purchase a painting for me. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. I had to purchase the uh, Satan one. I've always, I've been a fan of your painting, especially the way that you really 
um, gob the paint on there. So it's like very thick and you add like a palpable third dimension to the paint. It's, it's, it's strong. It's, uh, it's, I, I'm excited to see with how you develop this technique. Thank you. Uh, and I will, we'll see how, we'll see how the painting goes. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm loving it. I'm loving it right now. Um, here's an interesting topic. Um, how do you deal with familial anti-vaxxers and why won't the younger people, and I don't mean just Zoomers, I mean, people like under their thirties take the vaccine. Now, less than a third of the country has taken the vaccine. Did you, or not, sorry, less than half. It's like 46 or 48%. Excuse me. Um, so what do you make of these 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 horrible numbers for a country as developed as America? I don't even know. I mean, I I don't want to rush right into like what the hell is wrong with you discourse about the vaccine. But um, it's not it's not helpful. It's not helpful. But I personally I remember early on, I wasn't like rushing to get it, not because I didn't trust it, not because I didn't think I wanted because I, I didn't want to get it at all. But just because I kind of figured I wasn't the kind of person who needed it. I was, you know, I'm, I'm still in my twenties uh, for a couple more months, motherfuckers. And uh, I was working from home, a stupid office job that I, rarely, I didn't have to interact with too many people. I considered myself relatively, you know, privileged in that regard. And so I wasn't like rushing to get it, but then I don't know, something changed in me. And I actually, I rushed out. I probably haven't told the listeners yet, this yet, but I, uh, I actually made an appointment in West Virginia and lied and said that I live out there. And I even doctored my <laughs> lease to like, uh, doctored? I doctored, yeah, I absolutely did like uh, edited the, the PDF of my lease to have a West, a West Virginia address that I just Googled off the internet, just in case they wanted to see proof of the dress. I'm and because fucking, it, call, I'm fucking time, calling the NYPD on you right now. Okay. Yeah. Let's see, let's right. see what the boys in blue do. I mean, they, they you would think they don't have uh jurisdiction down here, but they do have like anti-aircraft capabilities. So who knows what they can do, but, um, Either way, I, yeah, I, I, in DC, Maryland and Virginia, it, people, you weren't able to get an appointment if you, unless you had like some other, some underlying condition. And uh, I just decided to make one out in West Virginia because there they were doing anyone over 16 who wants one was uh, eligible to get it. So but why just, do you think like younger people aren't? It's weird. Cause like, you'd think they would be like, oh, okay, this is easy. I'll just go do this. I don't know. Uh, part of me wants to think that it's the same reason that young people don't do a lot of things like voting and uh, that we have no fucking time to do anything like. No, if we're going to play, I wouldn't little... blame the people who don't get it. Honestly, like, well, 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 like I wouldn't blame younger people who literally don't have the time to get it because they're, they're working two jobs to like pay for their family to like yeah. have a home. But like if you're just some rich fucking um Orange County person, there are some real fireworks going on outside. Um, that's his New York podcasting folks. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have sympathy for privileged people who don't get the vaccine at all is what I'm saying. No, definitely not. And I mean, I will say as a counter to my previous argument that, you know, millennials work all or people under their under 30 work all the time. So it's hard for us to get out to do things like this. Um, I will say that if you do work all the time and you do, especially if you work um, in, in a frontline position, if you're like working with the public, those are the people who I know want to get it the most. And those are the people who usually ended up on the first in the line anyway. And also I think if you want to have a job in a lot of places, then um, a lot of employers are starting to ask for that or you know, really kind of push you to get the vaccine. So I think it's more likely that this demographic is people under 30 who work dumb jobs like mine, where you don't have to go into the office. 
And uh, that is kind of infuriating to me because like you said, Dan, I mean, if you, I don't have any sympathy for the privileged people who aren't getting the vaccine. Um, I don't care how much you think you've read about, you know, stuff in the past and how the government has and the medical establishment have lied to the general public. There's a good article in the New York minorities. Times about it. Um, sorry, yeah, I cut you off there, but there's, there's a good article in the New York Times about it where specifically one girl says, I thought I heard that it would uh, make me not be able to get pregnant, which like, like what? Like, did you read that on Facebook? Like, uh, and, and I mean, here's here's what I want to ask, though, Sam, in one word or in one sentence, how would you deal with the family member who's an anti-vaxxer who's just not going to take it? Uh, Other than shun don't them. Don't stand that, that's near not, me. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't hug me. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. All right. I mean, you can stand way over there then. Like, I don't know uh, you can just uh, stay on the other side of the room or stand outside. Uh, just please don't breathe on me. Um, yeah, I got extra KN95s in the car if you need them. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I honestly hope uh, such people are masked. Um I want to talk a little bit about Coney Island in the aquarium because uh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Sam, you saw some of my pictures today on Twitter. Uh, is, is that right? Absolutely. I did. Yeah. You got, uh, you had a nice thread, a uh, very wholesome Dan thread of all the different kinds of sea critters you saw, including one. I had, very... to, I had to bring it up. I had to bring it up. Sam, can you please introduce it? Very appropriate for this show. The hogfish. What was your impression of the hogfish, Dan? It looked awesome. It's a big boy. I mean, it's or girl. It's 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 a it's a big fish like in a small not in a small pond in a reasonably sized pond, but it's a big, big fish with a nice, nice looking fin. It's like got a stripe on it, if I remember correctly. And uh, it was a hog. What can I say? Uh, you know, we, we examine hogs on this show and then this is a hog. I'm glad it was fireworks are going fish. Can you hear these fireworks right now? Oh, yeah, I'm hearing those. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. No, this will be good podcasting. There you go. This is this is uh, jungle. This is not jungle. Uh, Gonzo, Gonzo Go podcasting. <laughs> jungle podcast. We should do a jungle podcast. <laughs> I would love actually. to do a podcast with like a switch, like not a switchblade, like a machete in the jungle. Just <laughs> yeah, we should like while we like traverse like me. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's slip down to like El Salvador or something, and then just. Oh, like, I would love to do this Peruvian the jungle and do the podcast <laughs> in the jungle. I like that. Okay, so right, I'm we, we the renamed the show Podcast in the Jungle, and all of a sudden we're a fucking hit. Dude, I mean, no joke. I actually there I, I remember in um in when I studied abroad in Cuba, there was this like club like nightclub that was in the jungle. It was fucking cool. And they played like loud EDM music and stuff. It was off awesome. just oh, dancing that's awesome. to like that's great. Dancing to like LMFAO in the jungle. <laughs> but that's yeah, all right. Thing. So I'm looking at the hogfish right now, and it's a handsome, it's a handsome man. It's got or them, like you said. Uh, we don't want to assume its pronouns, but uh, no misgendering the hogfish. Absolutely not. The hogfish is sacred to the show. Uh, it's got a nice wide tail, like very well-defined fins, kind of uh, kind of like a pale peach color, I guess. I mean, you know, I think it looks good. It looks like also from the uh, just from the image that you showed from the aquarium with, you know, the little specks on it, it uh, in the exhibit. It could come in many different colors. There's a kind of like a blue hogfish on that diagram, which might just be due to discoloration in the in the printout. But and I know. did have an animal expert, my friend Frank, who is uh, he was in veterinary school. So I did have an animal animal expert confirm that this was the hogfish. Is he going to be uh, a fish vet? Well, he's going to be like an everything vet. Does does the okay? I really want to know if like vets have to do fish surgery on fish and stuff i certainly think they might um it's but let's let's, but let's, let's 
I want to talk about the the sea lion show. So there was like a sea lion show, right? Which is one of the big things they had there. The other big thing was the shark tank, which was I don't really have much to say about other than that. It was really cool to see some sharks, you know. Hello, sharks. Uh, Here's my pitch. Uh, No, it was it was uh, was, uh, sorry. It was uh, it was fun to see some sharks. But before that, we went to the sea lion show and I just could not stop thinking about the movie Blackfish, which I watched like two months ago, but can't get out of my fucking head. Tilikum, the poor fucking orca forced to fucking be in SeaWorld. Oh my God, it's wrenching that movie. I watched it like 10 years after it came out. I don't know why. It was just on Netflix one night. I was just like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. Some whale thing. And then it's like, I'm watching this. I'm like crying watching this whale being torn, this orca being torn away from its this baby being torn away from its mother. Horrific stuff. But the All Sea the Lion show. Disney World, Sea World, sea Harry world. Potter World. Fuck off. Nah. We're, but let me tell here. let me tell you about the sea lion show. So it's uh, to compare it to Blackfish, the orca has many requirements that the sea lion does not. The orca needs the kind of space that the full ocean provides, not a fucking tank of isolation that drives it psychotic. Um, the sense. sea lion can live comfortably in that environment um, versus a Damn, giant whale. Sea lions really be- live like this and see no problem. Well, any well, they can call the show and tell us uh, at Hog Planet on Twitter. Uh, they can live comfortably in the environment versus a giant whale who needs to be in the ocean, not in isolation, being driven psychotic. See, I'm reading off my notes now. Um, sea lions are smaller, easier to replicate than their environment. Uh, and then their environment, it's easier to replicate their environment. And this is from my friend Frank, who knows a lot about animals. And uh, of course, we have to shout out Ghislaine Maxwell. What's her ocean project, Sam? Look that up, please. You really put me on the spot here now. I know, but I'm just asking you to look it up because. Um, I think the emphasis on personal responsibility with recycling in the show was like, if you're like a socialist guy like me, it's like, yeah, it's the government. And I don't worry about recycling, which I recycle, of course. But like, you know, it's it's like, you know, the, we kind of have the position that like it's more like about bigger. It's bigger than one's personal responsibility when it comes to recycling. So but for a, a, in a show for ostensibly like for kids, uh, I think it's good to instill the message to recycle. Like, I think it's I think it's a good thing. Yeah, of course. We love to recycle, even if it, even if there's inefficiencies. But uh, the uh, the Ghislaine Maxwell environmental nonprofit organization, quote unquote, that she formed was na- known as the Terra Mar Project, which is That's a terrible it. name. It sounds, it sounds like a bad Italian restaurant. It reminds me of the game like Bioshock for some reason. Yeah, or or like GeoGuessr. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, one of those. Um, I mean, do you have any other questions about the the aquarium experience? I mean, I I certainly love seeing fish. I mean, I I didn't I hadn't gone to such a place in a long long time. I was gonna say, what's your uh, what are what are your some what are some of your other favorite aquariums? What are some what's on your list? I've been to one god in I think Mystic, Connecticut. Yeah, I no, I, I'm, I was thinking you've definitely been to the Norwalk, yeah. Connecticut. Aquarium, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I yeah, think, that's yeah. the one. That's the one I grew up with, the Maritime Aquarium in like Norwalk yeah. or whatever. But um, I don't know. The Atlanta Aquarium is a really solid one. That one's professional. Was it expensive to get in the aquarium? No, it was it was twenty or thirty bucks. It was not. It was ah, the Atlanta Aquarium when I went was like forty five a person. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. We needed no membership or anything, and it was. And I got a fridge magnet. It was really fun. It was. It was. It was a good experience all around. Um, you know, I would say, uh, you know, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to pump the, the Coney Island Aquarium, but you know, I had a nice time. What, what can I say? I had a nice time. Is that you're so not, bad? 
I didn't Are go you on the shilling other... the aquarium. You're shilling the. I'm not shilling it. I didn't go on the Wonder Wheel or the Cyclone. <laughs> Both activities you can do at Cody Island. And they still let the Cyclone run. That's so. Yeah, funny. no, it's it was it was running. People looked like they were gonna fly off at any second, but it was running. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a, that adds another level to the thrill ride. Is I, 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 I have expected to see Woody Allen out there. <laughs> you know, he grew up under the Cyclone. <laughs> Um, nice. Sam, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the bad faith, the Glenn Greenwald versus Nathan J. Robinson oh. debate. Um, right, so everyone who's normal just... just turned this podcast off. No, but... no, come on. So explain <laughs> for kidding, like, lay, the lay person what this is and why it's so silly. Okay, so in one corner, this is like fuck. It. If you're a left Twitter guy, this is like the I don't know. This is probably like for like Yankees subject, Red Sox. This is like this is, this like, is like a huge rivalry. Yeah, this is like wrestling. This is like the fucking, this is the shit. Um, and so we got in one corner, Glenn Greenwald, cutting edge, you know, journalist. He did the, the Edward Snowden thing. He did the, the Bolsonaro thing. You've heard of him. He's also gay. That's very cool. He used to be a lawyer. Um, and rescues dogs with Tucker Carlson. So, and he rescues dogs. Like he's kind of all over the place. And he posts very angrily about cancel culture, something or other. And, every day. Uh, every day, at least. And I, I, I remember reading that his husband like turns off the internet in their house to get him to stop tweeting occasionally, which is brutal. But uh, on the other side, we've got, you know, someone who we're, we're sympathetic to, but still a goofy man, Nathan Robinson. He's got a vague British accent. He dresses like a dandy and lives in like the French quarter of New Orleans, which is awesome. Um, he's got a very like. He's very... editor of the Current Affairs magazine, we should say. Yes. Whereas Glenn, very... Glenn merely has his own Substack, we should mention. So you know that's where that's where they're both coming from here. Yes, Glenn, uh, one of the wasn't he one of the founders of the Intercept, but then left the Intercept because of uh, them refusing to publish his articles about Hunter Biden or something. That's correct. Like, that's correct. Not necessarily the most important thing going on, but whatever. It's a bit um, silly. Either way, we've got Nathan Robinson. Who, yeah, I like Nathan Robinson. He has a very I think he's like he's like a purposefully pedantic style that's very good about describing and really unpacking um, arguments and putting them into layman's terms. Even if you disagree with what he concludes, I think that uh, his his style of logic and reasoning is actually very compelling and interesting to me. So in particular, his pieces on Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson are ones I've shared with people. uh, And you can just search Nathan J. Robinson, Ben Shapiro or Nathan J. Robinson, Jordan Peterson, and they will come up and they are long and they are thorough and. Nathan owns them. What can I say? But, you know, Sam, at this point, I thought the debate format was kind of outdated since like Ben Shapiro proved that it's just kind of like talking over each other. I know. And, and Nathan Robinson is like one of the lefties who will respond to that challenge. And, and has- so and we last week we did talk about the Sam Cedar, Stephen Crowder debate, which right. was almost more of a bit for Sam. Right. Like this was a serious what- two and a half hour debate. About yeah. like if Glenn is a useful idiot for the right, right, and um, which no force alive could make me watch this. I've already kind of made up my mind on on Glenn. I haven't Greenwald. watched a second of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I know exactly what both are going to say, and I agree more with Nathan on this one. I I, I have read. I didn't finish it because it was long as fuck, but I read most of his piece. He did a takedown about Glenn and Matt Taibbi and how their recent uh, writings have. Uh, basically they show, they prove a point that hatred for liberals can drive a leftist to, to make arguments that benefit the right. Right. Yeah. You can't, you, you punch so hard towards the center that eventually you're, you know, 
you're sounding a lot like the people who are on the other side. But with Glenn Greenwald, it's hard to nail him down anyway politically because he's he's I don't know. He strikes me as more of a libertarian than anything else. And I, I and so that comes with its own baggage. And of course, if he hears this, he'll like you know he name searches and he'll probably like come after us or you know try to debate us or something, which is exhausting. But uh, like whenever he pulls up some egg account or something and starts just going in on someone who mentioned him once. But either way, two followers and like, you know, like he he does that, but it doesn't matter. It's this is all online bullshit, but it's just like to the point where it's like, aren't we like, aren't we out of ideas? Like, aren't we like, I mean, I mean, we're making a podcast now, but it's like, like, like this kind of shit just really makes me depressed. Yeah. And of course, this I mean, that's a podcast about podcasts right now, but it's on the bad faith podcast, which just strikes me as as utter clickbait. I'm sorry to say. And of course, you know, it has. Uh, alleged sex pest Virgil Texas on there and uh it's it's like the first thing that comes up on my Apple podcast suggestions every fucking time I open the app and it tries and to it's be, like Virgil's it face insane. and Virgil yeah his, his face is on the on the picture too Virgil former co-host of Chapo Trap House now disgraced after uh, some allegations came out I don't really want to talk about them because it's uncomfortable and, and uh it's on the internet if you want to find about out about it Last thing I have on that is that as far as even podcasters go, he looks like a sex pest. I mean, All right. That's, among- not, that's not, don't, like, not everyone who's like a nerd I'm is a sex kidding. pest. You I'm know, sorry. that's not fair. Some Listen, people are just Dan. nerds. Okay. Listen, you know, Virgil's reporting my, during like- the Iowa caucuses was really important f- for me to understand what was going on. I'm not going to say I never uh, appreciated his work, but at the same time, if I, I, I didn't listen to that faith podcast even before I knew about this because it was so horrifically just contrarian absolutely now i'm just making jokes at low-hanging fruit jokes right now but so i got i got three more things on the agenda sam so let's let, let, let this one's about letting you go off a little bit um so a lot of people from new york city seem to be transplanting in new orleans uh during the pandemic um what are your thoughts having lived in new orleans and then you know i feel like you lived there for what six six seven years yeah, I was there for about six years, and four of that was college. So you're not really Tulane does does try to cut you off from the rest of the city, which is kind of frustrating. But so, um, so do you have a brief kind of like statement to like the expats who decide like New Orleans is their new playground? I mean, just like have an appreciation of where you're at, just because it's like cheaper and there's music everywhere. It is very fun and it's worth you know celebrating. But if you're gonna go down there, you also should kind of get your feet wet in um what it means to for the people who live there because also new orleans is rapidly gentrifying in a city that doesn't have much of an economy i mean you know say what you will about like new york and san francisco and all those other places where gentrification is so bad but um at least people there there is the opportunity to make a good bit of money in those cities new orleans is the economy is a lot more restricted for a lot of reasons and a lot of times it's these kind of you know you don't want to be doing what the uh the like digital nomads do in bali indonesia or in like central america where they're like we've a bunch of us are cultural creatives so we created this um retreat on top of a mountain where people have previously been making a dollar a day at a mine but um now they get one of them gets to work here and so that's good for some reason i don't know you don't want to be doing that so that's kind of where i'm at with the like going to new orleans and being so enchanted by how magical it is like you have it has the energy of someone who goes to the caribbean and it's just like look at these little island natives i, I don't know how to say honestly it. it's very times square energy and i've seen times square every day going to work so 
Yeah, um, and, and that's not to say that like all. I'm not trying to say that like all everything in New Orleans is like. No, we're not cranks here. We're just saying people are a little annoying sometimes. Yeah, people are just sometimes. I, I they have an appreciation of why New Orleans has the culture it does and why it is the way it is and why it's so cheap and easy to live there for you. Um, whereas other people are moving out into like the racist suburbs that they've never been to. So. I don't know. That's my that's my two cents on New Orleans as someone who, you know, is very much a carpetbagger and went down there and uh, then left because of my own reasons. But I don't know. Part of it was like I, I felt a little out of place, honestly. Uh, it's a wonderful place to visit, but a little I was like, why? What am I contributing to this place? Really? I think I don't know. Maybe if you're going there, you should also be sure you have something to contribute to the place as well, instead of just kind of leeching off of how cool and fun it is, which it is very cool and fun. I agree, but still. Well, Sam, former guest uh, Ray Jed, uh, who also did my paint stream, Dan Paints on Instagram uh, at Spaventa. You can watch those paint streams um, where I paint and talk to a guest sometimes. And Ray was on and Ray was also on the Hog Planet podcast. And he asks, is calling the drink an Irish car bomb the equivalent of naming a drink the 911. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> it's not. It can, no, it's not. It's not. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> listen, we're we're pro IRA on this podcast, I believe, right, Dan? I don't I don't know enough to disagree with you, so yes. Okay, good. Well, I'll I'll take your tacit um your ta- tacit compliance. I endorse. I, I, I hereby endorsement. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Either way, the uh, I don't know. Nine uh, eleven. I I don't want to say. I don't think that nine eleven was necessarily done for as noble a cause as the IRA. Um, I don't know if there are going to be a lot of people who reply to this who are pro nine eleven and want to give me the case for 9-11 which i'd be very much probably willing to hear i mean osama bin laden i think did mention like palestine in uh part of like the reasons that he laid out for his involvement with it but um i don't know <laughs> i think he had other reasons for uh i think he may also have i other think there were a few notches Israel. before before palestine on his uh, priorities list but um yeah let's so, not uh let's not uh go too deep on this but i think we, it's safe to say like it's it's fine to call it an irish car bomb it's 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 a celebration yeah i mean the the term sake bomb is somehow more offensive even though it's literally not i don't know something (laughs) something about the way it's said just doesn't sound right to me but either way dan what do you think are the uh components of the 9-11 cocktail well uh definitely fireball yeah i think it's fireball whiskey with um two sticks of cinnamon added (laughs) Okay, I don't, I don't want to talk about this anymore. This is this is not <laughs> this is not acceptable. <laughs> hey, I don't live in New York. Oh, oh, actually, Dan, have I told you about this? Is my city? <laughs> have I told you about how people in the DC area, a lot of them act like um DC suffered 9-11 as bad as New York did oh, because like right. why because like, the Pentagon a portion of the Pentagon was blown up or something. Like <laughs> it's not the same, man. <laughs> no. Come on. Um, all right. One more question. Then we're going to end the show. Um, Jesse, uh, good friend, asks, you know, what's our take on the back to office campaigns and remote and hybrid work as people continue working through what is still a pandemic? And again, less than 50 percent of the United States is vaccinated. So what's our take on back to work, Sam? And I guess our own experiences with it, because, you know, 
and again, this isn't us like shitting on our companies or anything. Cause it's quite honestly, my company has been pretty cool about stuff so far in terms of working from home. So, uh, just what's your take on the back to work culture? Cause I've read other companies are being pretty cruel about it. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten a good gauge of, cause it's so country to country that, um, it's what is it's that background? To, oh, my it was God. the wrong thing. I'm trying to put your art up. And it was actually a, a very badly cropped image of Eric Adams. I was trying to celebrate <laughs> your art. And now I'm being ridiculed by thousands of people. It's sickening. Uh, I've been canceled. Glenn Greenwald, if you're listening to this, please help me. Anyway, um, I my take on the back to work thing. I I've been back to the office a few times I, for my purposes. My company like yours is I don't want to like chill for them, but they are being nice about it and they're, they've been respectful. So it is what it is. I mean, they've been disrespectful in plenty of other ways. So there's that. But I, um, I think that as long as like vaccination numbers are so low, it's kind of frustrating seeing this. It's hard to take it as anything, but a, you know, get back to work, like get back to the way things were. I mean, a lot of things I think are a bell that can't be unrung. I mean, if you were to tell me, you know, couple years ago that in that at this time, like law firms would be having people working from home much of the time. And even a lot of the law firms that are sending people back to work, they're starting them back like one to two days a week. And then they're still building in at least one to two days a week for telework for employees who, because they realize that they they've given us something that they can't really take away. And, um, but I mean, there's like multiple sides of it too. Cause I mean, one thing is I don't want to give up my, uh, my personal office in the office. And if they downside, if they have us work from home all the time, they might take away our workspaces. I mean, this is really like first world problems here, but we're both, we're both corporate goons in, or in, you know, we're office desk buildings. guys. Can you blame us? I like is my, I like my own I space. Mean, yeah. What I if like you had to workspace. share a desk, man? Like I, I, my, when my firm was talking about like, you know, uh, possibly may or may not have been um, talking about selling off some of the floors and it's building um, no allegations made here whatsoever. Then I was, my, my thought was like, you better not give away my office. I don't know. I, it, it made me realize like, I do kind of like having both. I do like, I haven't hated going back to the office. Granted, I don't have a hellish commute. So when I did have a hellish commute, I would not have felt this way at all. Most of the other people I work with have the uh, commutes from New Jersey. You know, it's, 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 it's a way it's like a two hour excursion. It's not really like a light thing to do five days a week. So, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, the right decisions are made here and that you know, we're all we're all given the, the right opportunity, because quite frankly, after a year and a half, yeah, you can't like take it back that the work was better uh, for most people than it ever was in terms of their output. And my productivity was definitely. If, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not just saying for my company. I'm saying for every company. Yeah, I think in general, productivity stayed where it was. I mean, and, the stock market um, went up, right? I mean, doesn't that isn't that what it's isn't that what it's all about, folks? Yeah. Aha, the money. It's all about the big money in politics. Sorry, am I sounding yeah. like John Stewart a little bit? There is, but there is some level to it that um, I don't know. It's hard for me to put my finger on, but. It's another like dividing line. Have you felt like you got on the on the lucky side of a big cleavage in society? Because that's the way I felt. Because whenever I would leave, I have a dog, so I walk the dog around the apartment, all, around the neighborhood all the time, and I would only other either see other people with dogs or people delivering food. Uh, and when you if you drove anywhere, the only thing you saw was people you know, picking up food, like the telltale sign of a car 
parked on the side um, by a restaurant with like the hazard lights on uh, and then someone walking to it. And there was like a sense I got that everyone who, I mean, are the, a lot, unless like all those people start getting their jobs back in a big hurry, which isn't quite happening yet. It's getting better, I think, but there's still a lot of, um, you know, labor shortages, which are really wage shortages more than anything, because it's not worth it to go out there and risk your life for the, you know, starvation wages, the way people were forced to before, especially since we have, you know, some other benefits in there now, which is not an indictment of those benefits. And it's an indictment of the system that went to such shit over this time. But um, either way, I feel like it's another thing where like, are you the person who gets to telework all the time now? Or are you the person who's stuck going in all the time and stuck being at work in person? And it makes me feel like there's this other, another, like dividing line between, I guess, the white and blue collar world or something. Yeah. And I guess it's just, you know, a classic like management makes decisions and everyone else has to follow them. And like, you know, perhaps, um, you know, certain parties don't, you know, don't know what uh, the masses want. And it's tough. I mean, listen, I I appreciate that navigating COVID-19 as a giant company is hard. But at the same time, you want some you want some feeling of, of, of you know, stability, of, of confidence, of, of, of uh, you know, that that, you know, my concern mainly is if we have to wear masks, then there's there's still shit spreading. And that they can't guarantee that everyone in the office is vaccinated, they can't check them. So it's just this it's this catch 22 of like or I don't know if you would call it catch 22, but it's like it's kind of an impossible situation and you know we're gonna you know it's radio so there's guests coming in you can't just check everyone at the door if they're vaccinated i mean they're not gonna just you know bring their card with them so it's really an impossible situation and i wonder how they're gonna deal with it but so far it's been pretty decent i mean they've they've all you know they've they've done a lot for us i would say so i i can't really complain at this point honestly it's been pretty it's been pretty good i have to say it's are you great. maskless in your office or do you wear? I mask? haven't been to my office since. Oh, uh, since there were, cause I've been go. we've, uh, I had been going into the office, uh, the whole time, not like regularly, but at least like once a week for half a day to get some stuff, some in-person stuff done. And, um, I would wear the mask all the time cause it was required, but then they recently changed the rule in that building. So now you don't have to wear the mask and we've been maskless and we've had like maskless meetings We where everyone there is, I mean, I guess is on the, on the honor system. I've never sent in my, my vaccine card to HR or anything like that, but it's, it's an odd situation. Definitely. And I find, I find myself confusingly relaxed about it before I figured this would be a big problem, but I guess where I'm at now is I, I don't want to say I don't care, but for my own purposes, I guess I'm just, I don't know. It's like a weird ontological thing where I'm like, how did I know that doing any of that benefited me? I think it did like in many ways. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have taken all those precautions, but there is a certain measure of like, I'm surprised at how easily I've just kind of thrown it away. Um, I mean, not that I'm like kissing everybody. We're still like, we stay far apart and we still like elbow bump instead of shaking hands and stuff like that. But it's, it's a weird feeling this uh, early return to the office thing. I think once the variants, once that Delta variant gets roaring in this country, if then uh, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. We'll uh, see. Um, 
So all in all, Sam, what, what do you have to say about this episode? I think we covered a lot of ground. I mean, we covered the fish, we covered the UFOs, we covered, I mean, do, do, you don't think I'm Italian? Really? Really? I'm half you just, Italian. I'm just saying like, I'm Dan, a paisano. Isn't that a good, isn't that a good thing? That's not a slur, is it? No, it's, this is what I'm talking about, Dan. Stop! You don't even know. Stop! Okay, what I'm talking about is that like, you in our area, there's a high bar to hit if you want to come off as like very Italian. I mean, come on, like where my we're name from. ends in a vowel. Yeah, it's true. Um, I, I, and I just feel like you have more Jewish energy than you have Italian energy. It's like how I have much more Jewish energy than I have like I don't know Midwestern or like what do you whatever Gentile Protestant energy. Uh, it's no different. Being Jewish, especially if you get it from your mom, it uh, it kind of takes over your. Uh, your identity a little bit, but I, I don't mean to, to say you don't, you didn't earn your Italian stripes. You have a big Italian family. You, the eat, you eat the cold cuts. You the eat antipast, the, it's called. Exactly. So it's, I mean, it's, Dan, I know I worked in an Italian restaurant for like nine years. I, I'm sorry. I know I've eaten there. <laughs> some respect you on remember my you name. trained me for one day when we were barely friends. You trained Absolutely. me at, at you did the not place. make the cut. <laughs> I was terrible at that job. I couldn't answer the phones. I didn't, I wasn't confident. Yeah, I mean, the, the job of uh, being a stone teenager, taking phone orders and chopping things up in the kitchen is uh, it's a tough job. So, I mean, it's not for everybody, but uh, I wasn't even stoned and I couldn't do it. <laughs> I probably was. <laughs> Good. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, all right. Dan, let's, let's wrap I, things up. I will yeah. give you your Italian honors from now on, but you got to live up the Italian uh, nature a little bit on the show for the listeners. They want to see it. I give up it off when I can't refuse. All right. Um, Bring a chicken this is, next um, time. This is Hog Planet. I'm Dan Spaventa. You can follow me at Spaventacular on Twitter, at S-P-A-V-E-N-T-A-C-U-L-A-R on Twitter. And you can follow me at D Spaventa, at D-S-P-A-V-E-N-T-A on Instagram for paintings. I paint a lot, and Sam has just purchased one. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm painting so you can see them there. And uh, and that's uh, what we're plugging. Uh, Sam, plug the Substack, plug the Twitter. I'm not I'm not commandeering the Twitter for the for the other show. So um, the Twitter will remain. Sure. So we that's we've got the uh, the Substack, which is hogplanet.substack.com. We have the Twitter, which is just at hogplanet, And um I think that's all we have to plug. Uh, anything else on your end, Dan? No, I think that's it. Uh, so, everybody, this is Hog Planet. Hog Planet.